Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual journey and look forward to helping you discover God's plan for your life. To find more messages like this, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast feeds. To stay connected with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the handle CCGF01 and check out our website, ccgf.org, for all of this information and more. Now, here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to you. Well, happy 4th of July weekend. Um, As we consider Independence Day, I have a question for you. I'll put before you right away. The question is this, what does it mean to be free? What does it mean to be free? I want you to think about that. Historically, 244 years ago, in 1776, here's what it meant. It meant that 13 colonies were no longer subject to the monarch of Britain and that they were united, free, independent states. That's historically what freedom meant and and was essentially the genesis of this holiday weekend that we enjoy. Today, people would say this. They might say that freedom is the ability to pursue one's self-determined happiness. You know, the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness, right? With minimal constraints, either by some other person or by the state. That's what some people would say about freedom. And we celebrate this. We celebrate this, this sense of freedom we have historically and even today. We celebrate with barbecues and picnics and reunions and fireworks. Did you have fireworks in your neighborhood last night, everyone? Lots and lots of fireworks. Maybe you were one of those people setting them off late at night, keeping those of us who have dogs and are trying to sleep on edge. Yeah, lots of fireworks we celebrate. Hashtag America, right? That's what we do. And, and, you know, it's a great time. I think we all enjoy that. I would say this year was an unusual 4th of July weekend, don't you think? There's sort of a cloud that's hanging over, and it's not just because of the fireworks. There's been a cloud because of a worldwide pandemic and a shutdown of, of normalcy and normal life because of that. That's a cloud that hangs over us. There, there is civil unrest in our nation due to long-simmering racial tensions that are now boiling over. There's debates about masks and not wearing masks and all these things. There's so much tension, it seems like, right now. And so there's this cloud that hangs over us. Perhaps some of us would even say we don't feel as free in 2020 as we have in previous years. Maybe that's how you feel. I want to tell you a little story about my middle daughter, Lucy. I have a picture of Lucy to show you when she was one year old, just a little girl. I love that picture. Isn't she cute? She was born with all that hair, just this big, thick, black hair. And when Lucy was one, there was something she said repeatedly, and it was this, all me self, all me self. Okay, so if Lucy was walking and you tried to hold her hand, all me self. If Lucy was playing, she didn't want your help, all me self. If Lucy was eating, she didn't want your help either, all me self, all me self, all me self. You know, you want to say to Lucy, hey, Lucy, first of all, terrible grammar. <laughs> Secondly, seriously, what are you, one? All me self? But that's what she said to us. And you know what little Lucy wanted? She wanted freedom. To her, All me self was her way of saying, I want to be free. Leave me alone. I want to do this. I want to pursue my happiness by myself. So I ask you again. Here's the question. What does it mean to be free? 
Does it mean that you, you do what you want to do? Is that freedom? Does it mean that, that you express yourself, however you want to express yourself, is that freedom? Does it mean, hey, this is my life, leave me alone? Is that what freedom is? Well, the book of Galatians, in chapter 5, teaches us, through Paul's words, to the, to the Galatian believers, excuse me, I said Ephesians, in the book of Galatians, Paul addresses this with these Galatian converts. He speaks about freedom, and this morning, we're going to look at freedom in three ways. Reading the passage that Robbie just shared with us, we're going to look at freedom defined, we're going to look at freedom threatened, and we're going to look at freedom lived. So let's go there now. If you have your Bible, open up to Galatians chapter 5. You can look there either in your hard copy of the Bible or through your iPad or phone. Any way works. Keep up with this as we read through this. I'm going to go back to verse 1 and read that aloud now. Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, so this is freedom defined in verse 1 here. And, and we could say this, Christian freedom is a birthright for every believer. Let me say that again. Christian freedom is the birthright of everyone who's a believer. If you are born again. If you are regenerated by the Spirit of God, if you believe in Jesus, then freedom is in fact a birthright. But this is often misunderstood. This is often taken uh, out of context. It's abused. So let's talk about clearly what Paul was not discussing when he's talking about freedom. He's not talking about political freedom here. That's not the kind of freedom that Paul's addressing. Paul is not addressing psychological freedom. Paul's not addressing social freedom to do whatever you want. Paul is not addressing theological freedom to believe whatever you choose. None of those. Here's what he's talking about. Christian freedom is always grounded on a relationship with Jesus and the community of faith. That's what Christian freedom is. It is grounded, it is founded on faith in Jesus, a relationship with him. It's founded in the community of faith. You know, the state of a human being described here is betrayed as slavery. Before a person knows God through Christ, that life is, is portrayed, is depicted as slavery. And by the way, it's a negative depiction. The Bible is no fan of slavery. The Bible is no supporter of slavery and its institution. It is cast in a very negative light here. And that is us, we, according to the scriptures, are slaves without Christ. We're not free. We're actually bonded. We're actually enslaved. And so Jesus then becomes what? Our liberator. Jesus is the one who sets us free. In the moment when a person surrenders their life to Jesus, when you bow before him, when you acknowledge him as the son of God, that is the great emancipation. That's the moment of being set free. Do you see it? Can you think back to a moment in your life when you were emancipated 
by the liberator Jesus, where you bowed the knee and you surrendered to Jesus and said, I'm yours, God. Take all of me. I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. It's your emancipation moment. And then you are set free to live the Christian life, which is a life of freedom. Contrary to what people think, people think the opposite's true in our culture. People believe that Christianity is actually enslavement. Quite the contrary. It is true freedom. I gotta take a drink. Pardon me, I got something in my throat here. <clears throat> Everything else apart from faith in Christ is depicted as bondage. The law, that's bondage. The vices of this world, the things we give ourselves to, that's bonded. Sin, the flesh, the enemy, all of these things are bondage. You know, Lucy, little Lucy, one-year-old, all-me-self-girl, one time when she was one, we were in the grocery store together. I cannot get this out of my throat. Pardon me. I'm so sorry. I'm on the verge of coughing up here, it feels like. Okay, so once when Lucy was one, we were in the grocery store together, holding her hand because we don't want to be those parents letting our kids just run free all over the grocery store. You know who I'm talking about. And so we were holding her by the hand. And Lucy, in her one-year-old way, said, of course, all me self, all me self. Like, no, we're going to hold your hand, Lucy. Come on, we're going to walk together through the store. All me self. And so she threw a fit and dropped to her knees suddenly. And when she did that, as she was holding our hand, she dislocated her shoulder out of the socket. We felt awful. All me self also felt awful. She was hurting. We had to take her to the emergency room. You know, Lucy wanted her freedom, but that freedom became bondage to her. It became enslavement in that moment. We had to go to the hospital. She was uncomfortable. She was feeling the pain, right? And that's what happens. Everything else outside of Christ is bondage. Christianity is freedom, not bondage. Let me show you a verse from the, scripture, from the Gospels. Jesus says this in John chapter 8, verses 34 and 36. It says, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Bondage is one's errant, self-determined, internal desires. That's what sin is. It's all me-self. True freedom comes from submitting actually to an external force. This is counterintuitive. True comes from submitting to Jesus Christ. Do you see it? This is true freedom. This is freedom defined. So let me tell you again. We put this one back up on the screen. Christian freedom is always, always grounded on a relationship with Jesus and the community of faith. And Christian freedom is freedom to love and to serve one another in the context of a relationship with Jesus. That is freedom defined, my friends. we got more to say about this, though. Let's go and look at freedom threatened. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 5. And Paul here is going to express to us a way 
that the freedom of these new believers, these Galatians, was being threatened in the context of the first century church. Let's read it here now. Verse 2. Mark my words. I, Paul, listen, he's, he's calling upon his authority. That God has commissioned him to be a person who shares the gospel. He is one who saw, who experienced the risen Jesus in, in the flesh. He saw him. Paul did. And so he's saying, listen, I have authority. And I, Paul, he says, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Wow, powerful. No value to it all if you become circumcised. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So this is freedom threatened. Let me give you a little background. Because you have to understand the background to appreciate what Paul is talking about here. You might be wondering, why is he fussing so much about this issue, circumcision. Well, first century Christians, following Christ disrupted a person's life. I mean, it broke all the ties to what was really a pagan culture. So your business relationships were severed if you followed Christ, broken off. Your, your social connections were changed. They were altered. Your, your civic loyalties, all of these things were disrupted. We're severed if you chose to follow Christ in a pagan culture. And so with this, how do these Galatian believers feel? They felt like outcasts. Have you ever felt like an outcast at some point in your life? I mean, you had to have been in some setting where you felt like an outcast, even if you were the cool kid in high school. Do you remember a time where you were somewhere you just didn't feel like you belonged? You remember a time where you didn't feel like you had any connections? You didn't have a purpose? You felt like an outcast? Well, that's how these Galatian believers were feeling. And so, in the midst of that, there were some groups who were present in the culture who thought, hey, we can make you feel at home. And it's kind of tempting to go towards the group that wants to make you feel at home, that wants to make you feel like you have a place of belonging. And so there were two groups tugging at the Galatian believers. Okay, the first group is the one you're reading about here. It was the legalists. There were legalists. These were Jewish believers who were attempting to impose the law of Moses on these new believers. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. So the legalists were one group. They're pulling at these Galatian believers, these new Christians. On the other hand, you have the Libertines. And the Libertines were encouraging these new believers to throw off all moral restraints, to do whatever they wanted to, to live a life of debauchery. They were saying, come live over here. You can do what you want. You got freedom? Yeah, you got freedom. Do what you want. And so these Galatian believers were in this tug of war where people are trying to pull. On one hand, you have a conservative side. On the other hand, you have a liberal side. And they're pulling at this Christian. Let me tell you something. This is a little lesson I want to share with you. I can't spend a lot of time on this today. Maybe another time I will. But I want to put this before you. You might want to write it down. And that's this. The Galatian believers, I believe, were learning this. And the principle is this, do not be more conservative than the Lord requires or more liberal than he allows. These, these believers being tugged on one hand by a very conservative group, on the other hand, a very liberal group. You know what God says to the believer? Do not be more conservative than I require. And also, do not be more liberal 
than I allow. What a lesson for us, perhaps, in our culture today. Back to the issue at hand, though, which is this, circumcision. Now, again, you might wonder, what is this all about? Why are we talking about it? We have to understand that circumcision was very important. These legalists trying to tug the Galatian believers in this direction, circumcision was very important to the Jewish believers. It was a, a deeply held religious practice. And it was a symbol that a person was a part of God's family in their mind. It was a sign that you were one of God's people. Go back and read Joshua 5. That will be a very helpful passage if you want to learn more about circumcision and what it means. Write that one down. You can go there and read it this week. It might help you. And really what it is, is a merit-based belief system. Circumcision represents overall this merit-based belief system. You see, the issue isn't just circumcision. It's not this physical act. No, no. The issue wasn't circumcision. It's what circumcision represented. That's at the heart of this. So let's move past the physical thing. It's all about what circumcision represents. The legalists, the people over here, were pressing it on the Galatians. And what they were doing is they were saying, you must be circumcised. But circumcision was neither a physical operation exclusively or a ceremonial rite exclusively. It was a theological symbol. That's why this is so important. That's why Paul is making such a big deal. It stood for a particular type of religion, namely salvation by good works through obedience to the law. That is what circumcision represented here. In fact, the people who were trying to convert the Galatians, the new converts, to circumcision had a slogan. Go back to Acts chapter 15 with me. Look at Acts 15. And you'll see here that this idea of circumcision and people imposing it on Christians is referenced here in Acts 15. I'm going to read verses 1 and 5 for you. It says, Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of, the Moses, of Moses. The Gentiles must be circumcised. We should get t-shirts printed with that slogan, huh? Very catchy, very attractive. People would love it. No, they wouldn't. Not at all. But this is what these legalists were trying to impose on the new Christians. You see, receiving the Jewish ritual of circumcision meant stepping back into a merit-based belief system. And when you do that, you got to do all that it comes with. The whole package, the whole shebang. For the Galatians to accept, accept circumcision was to throw away the precious gift of freedom and step back onto an unceasing treadmill of meritocracy, a merit-based belief system. Do you catch this? Do you see why this is so important? So here's what we do. What's, we got to talk about this, okay? You might be wondering, okay, what does circumcision have to do with us? There's no one outside the church saying you must be circumcised. There's no one who's calling you up saying we need to talk because you need to be circumcised. We don't have that problem in our culture today. But I want you to consider 
what does this mean to us now? I mean, find yourself in this. And I think it actually has incredible implications to us. It's not circumcision, but here's what we face. This very same heart issue, this very same core issue, which is a merit-based belief system. Listen, our culture loves to award things based on merit. We live in a meritocracy. Let me, let me review a few things that you would hear commonly in our culture. Perhaps you've heard these things growing up or maybe even as an adult. How about this one? Earn your keep. You got to earn your keep. In other words, you work hard and you'll be paid, right? Earn your keep. That's the language of meritocracy. I'm not saying it's bad. It's true in our culture. You got to earn your keep. But that is the words of a meritocracy. Or how about this one? I love this. This is Coach Vince Lombardi. Always love a good Lombardi quote. Lombardi said this, the only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. That's right, Coach Lombardi. You tell him, right? That's, those are the words of a meritocracy. You got to work to win, in other words. You want to win? You better work. That's what Lombardi was saying. Or how about this one? Eat your vegetables and then you can have dessert. Here's how I heard this as a kid. Hey, Craig, eat your broccoli. It'll put hair on your chest. What a weird way to motivate a kid. But these are the kind of things that were put before me as a kid, right? Because it's a meritocracy. It's this idea that if you are good enough, you will be rewarded. That's the culture we live in. You know, there's a lot of benefits to that. But a meritocracy is not the way to Christian freedom. That's why Paul's making a big deal of this. We tend to adopt the, the ways of culture and try to oppose them on Christianity, and Christianity turns it upside down, don't you see? So if you add anything, if you add meritocracy, if you add circumcision to Christ, you lose Christ. Salvation is in Christ alone, by grace alone, and through faith alone. Amen? That is freedom, my friends. By grace alone, through faith alone, salvation in Christ in Him alone. That is true freedom. So the key to freedom is depending on grace. And listen, our bent on wanting to, to play the game of meritocracy with God is a false way of understanding the gospel. We believe in faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone. That is true freedom. Freedom depends on the grace of God through Christ. Okay, I want to take you quickly to verses 5 and 6. We've got to wrap this passage up. Let's look at freedom lived. Paul here gives these Galatian believers a way that they can live out their freedom. Let's read verse 5 of Galatians 5. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. We eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. You know, we live out the Christian life, you and I, if you're a follower of Christ. We live out this Christian life in the tension between no longer and not yet. Right? No longer. We're no longer a slave to sin. Through Christ, we have his righteousness. We have been justified through faith in Christ. We're no longer a slave. But yet, at the same time, we live in this period of not yet, 
where we haven't yet quite attained the righteousness of Christ. We await his return and becoming fully righteous. So Paul says in the midst of that, we must do what? Wait. And how do we wait? The first way we wait is through the Spirit. We wait through the Spirit. Listen, we are free because God has sent the Spirit of His Son to live in us. That's how we're free. Look at Galatians 2, 20. I'm just going to read a portion of this. Here's what Paul says. He says, I no longer live. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. My picture of freedom, that's it. It's Christ's life in us. We are free when we live according to the Spirit. We are free when we live by the Spirit of the Son who lives in us. The second way that we can live this out is not just through the Spirit, but by faith. We live this out by faith. Let me take you back to little Lucy in the grocery store, holding her hand. What if Lucy would have trusted my leadership that day? What if she would have held on to my hand? Well, she would have been spared a trip to the emergency room. She would have been spared that painful moment. Instead of saying, I don't need you, all myself, she could have trusted us to guide her through the grocery store experience. Listen, we are free. Not when we say, all myself, but when we rely on our Father to help us. That's faith. We trust God to be our guide. We trust his leadership in our lives. So how do we wait it out? How do we live in this tension of, well, we're no longer slaves, we're set free, but we're not quite fully righteous yet until Christ returns. How do we live that out? We live that out by waiting. We wait by living in the Spirit and living by faith. That is how we live this. Look at verse 6 as we wrap up here today. Verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself through love. This is how we live it out too. This is really important, by the way, because this is repeated in the next chapter, verbatim almost. Galatians 6.15 says the same thing about circumcision and uncircumcision not counting for anything. It also is read in Colossians 3.11. Listen to what Colossians 3.11 says. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is all. You see, we are free to express our faith through works of love for our neighbor. We're a new creation. We're a new family. And what does that new family do with its freedom? It loves neighbors as self. We are called to be a people who live out the love of Jesus because of the freedom we have through him and him alone. I'll tell you someone that I know who understands how to live out freedom. This morning at the 9 a.m. service, we had a flag presentation right here. I think we have a picture of it. This is my brother-in-law, Tim Rocca. And Tim is a U.S. Army vet. He did, I believe, three tours of duty overseas. And Tim understands the cost of freedom. Tim understands that the cost of freedom is human life. It's bloodshed. 
He was just telling us stories yesterday of friends he knew. They got blown up. That's the cost of freedom. I can tell you this, Tim and others like him, if you've served in the armed forces, there's not a day that goes by that those people who know what the cost of freedom is, there's not a day that passes that they don't think about the cost of freedom. Let me tell you, there is absolutely a cost to this Christian freedom that we're talking about today. There's a cost to this Christian freedom. It's Jesus' blood shed for us on the cross. His death for us on the cross. It's a sacrificial death. And just like an army vet who's seen the horrors of war and knows the cost of freedom, may we never let a day pass, church, without considering and thinking and meditating on the sacrifice, the cost of freedom for you and I. We're going to have a chance to do that here in a moment. Listen, I would encourage you, don't settle for a half Christ, only the whole. There's a quote I came across in the midst of of preparation this week. John Calvin said this, whoever wants to have half a Christ loses the whole. In other words, if you want to add anything to Christ, you want to make it about circumcision, you want to make it about meritocracy, you lose the whole. Don't accept the half Christ. This morning we have the opportunity to come to the table of the Lord. Pastor Robbie's going to lead us in a moment in Holy Communion. And as we celebrate the sacrament on this Independence Day weekend, we have the opportunity to consider the freedom that has been purchased for us by the shed blood and the body of Jesus. To think about it, meditate on it, to worship Him. Listen, if you've never in your life said, you know, I believe that the blood of Jesus sets me free, you can do that right here this morning. In fact, a communion Sunday might be the perfect time to do it. Because you have a tangible way to say yes to God. As you drink of the cup, when Pastor Robbie leads us through that liturgy, you could say, you know what? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that His death paid for us and purchased our freedom. And so I drink to that cup of salvation. Amen. You could do that. As you partake of the bread, you could say to God, God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. A person can only truly be free by Him and Him alone. And you partake of the bread. We have that opportunity this morning to celebrate the freedom we have in Him. May we do it with full hearts. May we do it with all our being because He is truly worthy and He alone. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for our time together this morning. And for your word, which reminds us of the great freedom that we have through Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for his body and his blood. Lord Jesus, in faith in him, through grace alone, is our source of true freedom. Help us to understand that and live that out, God. And I pray, Lord, that whenever meritocracy whenever being good enough rises up in us, that we'd remember 
that that is a threat to the true freedom we have. Thank you, God, that we are no longer enslaved to the bondage of sin because of Jesus, but that we can live free. Help us, Lord, to wait on you in our spirit by faith. Help us, Lord, to live as free people, loving our neighbors as ourselves, all of them. Oh, God, thank you for this freedom we have. On this Independence Day weekend, may we, even as we come to the table, proclaim and celebrate this great freedom that we have through Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.